Hello, listeners, and welcome to a new episode of Private Equity Talks. I'm Greg Gilles, the editor of Real Deals, and I will be your host today. This might be the first time that you hear from me, as this is in fact my first podcast while at the helm of this fine publication. I joined a few weeks ago, and I've certainly been looking forward to this first episode, especially since our theme today, Breaking Down Barriers, is a pretty fascinating one. Specifically, what we'd like to look at is how investors can break through to owner-managers and start building that relationship on the best possible footing. So there is a lot to unpack there because that covers everything from the industry's public image, educating the business community at large, engaging with managers pre-deal, but also that really crucial phase in the first few months post-deal where the step change for management teams can be quite daunting. This is obviously not a new challenge for the industry, but I think it's fair to say that the current economic climate is perhaps making that even more critical than before. So as I said, a lot to unpack, but thankfully I have help. It is my pleasure to be joined by David Wardrop from Rutland Partners for this podcast. Welcome, David. Good to have you with us today. Thank you. Could you start by introducing yourself and Rutland more broadly to our listeners? No problem. Um, so uh, I'm a partner at Rutland. Um, Rutland is a UK headquartered mid-market private equity firm focused specifically on the sort of niche of special situations, um, which primarily is focused on opportunities where there's a sort of material change program. And that can vary um, through to dealing with sort of significant owner-manager management transition, um, through to businesses that need to go through sort of some fundamental sort of capacity, infrastructure expansion, um, or more broadly operation improvement type type opportunities. Uh, and a common theme that we hear, uh, perhaps a, a bit more even in your part of the market, is that it can be tough sometimes to to break through, so to speak, with owner managers um, because they may be reticent about PO ownership, perhaps with preconceptions about you know oh, does that mean cost cutting? Does that mean People are not really going to understand the human aspect of, of a business. Um, and first of all, do you think this has been moving in the right direction in recent years? Because obviously there's been a lot of efforts by the industry, by by BVCA uh, to kind of uh, educate people. I, I would imagine a lot of uh, owner and owners and managers are a lot more clued up as well. So do you think there's been progress there? And uh, even if there's been, what are some of the obstacles that you perhaps still come across? There definitely has been improvement. I think, um, but having said that, my sort of um, my experience is that it, it does it does vary. Um, clearly, you know, as you say, there's there's been a lot of effort, and the, the UK private equity industry is a, a long-standing industry now. So, often in situations, what does P mean, and um, and some of those preconceptions is just not part of the conversation because you know often the other manager or the vendor has had some form of personal private equity experience in the past earlier on in their career when they were part of a, a feedback um, business or they've got some other sort of um, experience to others of, of, of private equity. But there are situations where, you know, private equity is just a new thing to individuals. And I think it's often the debate's not about, it's actually not always about the preconceptions that you might expect that people might have with the industry. Actually, it's just that broader context of well, what does this all mean? And that's both pre-deal where the actual, you know, what a pre-deal structure really looks like. And when you start to get into some minutiae of um, some of the deal terms, it's all it's all kind of very new. Um, and then on the other side, it's all the questions you, you sort of expect people to be asking about, you know, what does it all mean? How involved are you? 
how the decision making process work, you know, how much autonomy will I still have, how much control do you do you, do you sort of want, how does the whole exit process work, when will that happen? And it's all those sort of questions um, that people actually tend to focus on more than and then perhaps some of the um, uh, yeah, perhaps this sort of the, the, the classic negatives that you, people might you might expect people to ask. No, that, that makes sense. How, how do you go about addressing these? Is it a lot of just sitting down with with owners and, and management teams before before the deal? How how do you approach that? It, yes, it very very much. Is. It's about it's about communication, um, developing good working relationships with the the key people on the other side. Um, you know, clearly, because uh, you know, clearly there's an assessment both of us as, as them as individuals, but them them of us, and it's that. Ultimately, comes down to, you know, can they be, see themselves working with you over what could potentially be quite a long, long period of time, kind of post sale. Um, so I guess I mean, personal approach is always to be sort of straightforward and open with the individuals and sort of demonstrate that you do, um, you, you understand their specific business, but but also um, you've been involved in. Other situations before, which are you know, which are analogous to to, to what they do. Um, I think part of it is also is understanding them as not just their business, but also understanding them as individuals as well. Because you know they all have their own certain styles and things that kind of work well for them and and are not. And it's sort of a it's understanding that and, and trying to to work with you know, the different personality types that you sort of come across. And and I guess it it goes back to. Um... To, to your point about people, people being a bit more educated and having perhaps that, that prior experience, do you find at the same time that the private equity market has become, I would argue, a bit more competitive and then there are you know, a lot more firms around? Um, does, that, does that aspect beyond just the, the deal terms, essentially, does that tend to play a big role in you know, who eventually gets to, gets to partner with, with these businesses? I think, it, it, yeah, it, it does to... On a sort of fundamental level, yes, it does in terms of, uh, you know, ultimately prices is a large part of it. But I think it's also um, that sort of human side um, is is still important because actually a lot of these individuals, particularly in you know, management situations, you know, they are rolling into the next deal. So actually what you can do on the other side and, and what value you can create there is you know, as important as the money that you might be sort of taking as part of the original transaction. Because if these are, you know, if you're working with someone that you're going to work with well and it's a great team and, you know, it's a um, a really positive relationship, actually, ultimately, you, you're going to create a, something which is more valuable um, down the line. Uh, I think, you know, one of the things we also, um, one of the things we try and encourage people to do is, is also speak to other members of the, the portfolio as well. Um, so, you know, their, their assessment of you is one thing, but also just speaking to other people within the portfolio, you know, they won't be in the same industry, but they'll be in, they've been through the same situation. And therefore that first-hand account of, you know, what was it really like and um, you know, what what's happened on the other side is, um, yeah, sort of very powerful as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, um how does that relationship then evolve? Because you know, obviously, you you get on well with uh, with the team, and you you start building that relationship prior to the deal during during the process. 
Um, at the same time, obviously, when you start getting involved on the, you know, the, the proper nuts and bolts of it, especially in the first kind of three months or so, I would imagine, it can be quite, I would, depending on the situation, but I would imagine the, the, the scale of change can be, can be quite steep and, and quite rapid. Um, do, you, do you tend to kind of see uh, perhaps uh, uh, other challenges that tend to emerge at that point? Do you, work on it? do you work on a different aspect of the relationship at that point? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, hopefully what you manage to do is develop that positive working relationship um, pre-deal so that when you when you complete, actually, it's just a continuation of what's, you know, that, that relationship previously. But I think perhaps the only caveat within that is actually the focus pre-deal is perhaps on a narrow group of people within the management team, just by virtue of them leading that process. And you know, it's a, you start to develop wider working relationships um, with, within the organisation. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's clearly, you know, post-deal, there, there is that sort of natural tension. I think a lot of people, when you get to the end of the deal, it's been a very long, potentially quite a long process. And there's sort of, it's quite an exhausting process as well for, for the management team. So there's that element of, um, you know, they're not necessarily coming in post-deal completely fresh. Um, but there's also clearly, you know, there, there, there's a lot, to be done um, and setting that tone earlier on about how things will work is important for, for, for both sides as well. Um, so a lot of it's around, I guess, finding that balance for, you know, yes, there's a lot to be done and, and there's a certain pace of things, but also there's a with a realism overlay as to, to what you're looking to achieve within what time frame. So, you know, what realistically can be achieved in the first 100, 180 days and what's perhaps a more longer term project for the team. Um, because if you get that sort of balance right, actually, you know, the, 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 the tension and um, you know, what, what, what tensions might emerge, you, they, they, they tend to be easier to, to, to sort of manage. Yeah, absolutely. And um, especially in the, the, the current environment, and I mean, not just now, but obviously looking back the, the, the past couple of years, uh, it's been quite tricky for, for everyone. Um, and everyone's been facing with you know, COVID and inflation. Uh, rising energy costs, whatever the case may be, and I'm sure it impacts the the various businesses you work with in, in different ways. Um, was that a particular time for you to sort of step in and say, "Oh, well, this is you know, this is time to to really build that relationship"? Did, did you find that management teams needed something a, a little bit different from you? Um, has it been more about kind of almost thought leadership and just spending more time with them and and, and a bit more explaining and being a bit more hands on? Some. <laughs> I mean, it's clear that there's not been a sort of straightforward, simple year for for quite a period of time. Um, so yeah, I think it's. Um, I'd say I think clearly you sort of had to be more reactive to things than perhaps um, in the past, and you know, there's been just the, the frequency of change and the pace of change has, has clearly been greater. But actually, all it's done is just made perhaps the, the engagement with the management team. Um, uh, slightly more, slightly more frequent than perhaps previously, but it, it's you know it's not materially changed the relationship with them. Um, you know, if you sort of understand the business well, hopefully you can sort of support them uh, in the right way. And and it's about sort of uh, you know if you do have to make decisions quickly, it's sort of making sure that you know. Um, you sort of help the team make those decisions because you, know, you might not necessarily make the right call, but being able to react and be agile to things is you know, sort of incredibly important. Um, and I, I guess the, the, perhaps the thing is, is also perhaps bringing in specific resource 
to to address certain challenges. So it may well be, you know, it's uh, on the supply chain side of life or um, dealing with uh, sort of specific issues that have sort of cropped up as a result of how what's happened over the last two years. It's you know, you talk, perhaps there's been more instances we've had to parachute in people to to deal with very specific matters that kind of need to be addressed within the portfolio. And um, what would you, it's probably it probably is quite hard to um, to look at it across portfolio because again you're involved in, in fairly different businesses. Um, do you think now that people are perhaps slightly slightly more confident, having gone through that that slightly trickier phase, perhaps? Or it's not that the challenges have obviously gone away, but uh, everyone may be a little bit more resilient. And and again, having had the benefit of, of working with you guys for, for the past year, couple of years on these issues, um, do, do you sense across the portfolio uh, a relative dose of optimism as, uh, as 2023 looms? I think it's sort of, um, I think the confidence thing is, is actually, yeah, it's an important point, actually. I think it's, you know, if you've as an organization, you've had a lot thrown at you for you know for a, a good few years and actually been able to know that you can deal with those situations and, and kind of be sort of better for it is very empowering to a team. You know, the, the whole sort of phrase I've heard quoted before, you know, sort of steel sort of forged in fire and it's sort of uh, you seem to see how people react when they really do have to react to a situation is um yeah is great to see but also great for that individual as well in their own personal development yeah exactly because that, that's um, what i wanted to ask you and uh, we, we've mentioned and you, you actually you've mentioned uh, people having had prior experience of private equity and i guess that's that's the thing it's a, almost a continuum and it tends that when, when a business is on that journey, they, they will ultimately go to, to the next owner within f- five years or so. Um, and I would imagine uh, some of your exits will be to, to other private equity, uh, private equity owners. Do you find that management teams, not just the businesses, but the, the people themselves, do, do you find them usually sort of almost transformed by the time you exit? Do you, do you, do you see, do you work on key qualities and sort of skill set that you try to, to develop with them over that, that time period? Yeah, well, you'd like to think they are very much kind of better for the experience. I suppose I perhaps like divided down to the sort of individuals and then the, um, uh, I guess the, the the broader team. Um, you know, often with the individual, particularly where you've got the sort of owner manager type individual within there, you, you'll probably not have fundamentally changed that that person. You know, by virtue they've been in their own business for quite a period of time and they've developed their own sort of style, but you know, when you come to exit, you know, the, you, um, you've often changed perhaps the way that they think about things, you know, perhaps in a sort of different way or, or, or broader way. And, but also you've kind of got them to focus on their business um, in a way that they just never would have had to before by, by virtue of the fact that they, you know, they've not had an external shareholder involved to, to sort of drive that, drive that process. Um, which I think, you know, so your them as individual hasn't fundamentally changed, but actually they've kind of, you know, hopefully improved over that time. But I think the one thing that always feels very different on exit versus on the way in is just the broader management team, because you've often um, brought in more individuals over time. Um, you know, you've probably been a number of new roles created just because you've broadened that skill set within the sort of senior management team. Um, and the beauty of private equity um, also kind of the contact base that we have is that you do get the ability to bring in great people into organizations that perhaps 
you know, had they not gone through a change of ownership structure, they wouldn't have been able to attract those individuals in because you know, it's a different environment for them to come into a privately owned business as to one which is private FTO, and you know that there'll be some events in, in the future. Um, so that's probably the bit that does feel very different management team-wise, um, uh, you know, to some uh, the eventual exit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think we've um, we've spoken in relatively you know you know neutral or general terms so far about about your portfolio and about about your experience, um, and we haven't mentioned any sort of very specific examples. And I'm sure there's there's a lot across the portfolio and uh, past and present. But is there a a deal in particular that Rutland has done that you see as a really good example of of building a successful relationship over time? Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, I think. Um as you say, we've kind of worked with various teams over the years. I think perhaps a good example is is actually one which is um, still within the portfolio, which is a business called um, JSM, sort of infrastructure service provider, um, privately owned and sort of privately owned for quite a long period of time, so 20 plus year history as an organisation. Um, and one where actually slightly fortuitously, we managed to develop quite a long uh, we had quite a reasonable period of time pre-deal to develop a good um, relationship with the team. We got to know them at the back end of 2019. Because of all the events of 2020, um, the whole process in terms of the acquisition process just got delayed as um, as the sort of the pandemic kind of unfolded. Um, but we sort of kept in contact over that period of time. And it was only sort of late in 2020, we sort of re-engaged properly in terms of the acquisition process but it was um it was a really useful uh period to sort of get to know the business but also individuals through you know quite a difficult time them managing their own organization and all those sort of challenges that you know we had to sort of deal with at that period of time and, and got to see how each other operated through that period um so that's particularly helpful pre-deal but post-deal you know, the um it's been a very good working relationship with the team. You know, they did have all the apprehensions and questions I was talking about before about what it all mean on the other side. And um, I guess there's an element of them trusting us that we would deliver on what we said we do. And they've kind of seen that on the other side, which is always important that you kind of what you set out to say in terms of, you know, what, um, in terms of how you operate and what you do, you end up doing and which we have done. And that's, ended up building a good relationship at various different levels of the organization, not just the original people that we dealt with um, as part of the sale process, but the wider organization as we've just worked with them on various other things post-deal. Is, is that one, again, where you spend time kind of looking at, at the, the range of talent across the leadership team and even perhaps beyond that, did you bring in kind of additional additional resource there and then sort of rejig the team a little bit? Yes, very much so. And some of that has been um, things that we had discussed with the team pre-deal that we knew, well, that they knew that needed to, to, to change, but also subsequently as um, perhaps different parts of the business have grown um, in different ways and quicker than perhaps we originally expected. We, we've kind of built in, you know, there's been a number of new, yeah, sort of people that have come in um, that over that period of time in kind of response to what felt right, you know, a year or so in. So that, that was about a year ago. Has that process of, you know, explaining the various milestones and getting ready for the exit, is that is that part of the education that's been happening since then? 
Yeah, it is because it's, it's one of those things where um, it's always the it's always one of the big questions on the way in about you know do you have you know how do you see the exit process playing out at some point in the future? When do you think that will happen? Who do you think that the, the, the likely buyers will be? Um, and you will always. You know, trying to keep that as a sort of open dialogue with the team about, you know, collectively assessing, you know, from a, uh, you know, from the, from the business's own personal development, kind of what feels right in terms of a potential exit process and where they see their own individual markets, you know, what feels a positive environment to be to be exiting in, um, and sort of then helping feed into that to them the bit that they don't necessarily see about the, the wider MA market and you know, where we see. Um, potential bit of interest and all the rest of it and, and sort of marrying all that together into into a debate fantastic and in, ter- in terms of the um in terms of the development of the of the business and sort of the, the, the milestones that you envisioned in the first place everything kind of progressing at, at a good pace are you you're on a, a good trajectory there yeah very much so um yeah the, the business has been um uh you know, it, it's focused on a number of end markets that have that did well during the pandemic period um, uh, and subsequently. So, you know, a lot of what the business does is around um, providing services to data centers, um, to, to rolling out um, fiber, um, to working with connecting renewable um, power projects like solar farms and wind farms. So, um, you know, they have been and continue to be very buoyant markets and you know, the business has, for other reasons as well, but benefited from the sort of the positive market driver that it's kind of had over that period. And you know, it's managed to navigate it through, through a difficult pandemic period, but also the subsequent um, sort of inflationary um, uh, and supply chain challenges post that as well. Excellent. And uh, I think it's time for us to wrap up, unfortunately. But thank you very much, David, for calling in. That was, that was really insightful. Thank you. And thank you all for tuning in, of course. Uh, We will be back before long with a new episode of Private Equity Talks. So if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts from. See you on the next one.